Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back, everyone, as we continue the countdown to the Loudest Hell Festival in Drumheller, Alberta, from August 3rd to 6th. Eye of Horus, a death metal band from Edmonton and Sherwood Park area, Alberta, once again graces the stage of Loudest Hell for the fourth time since 2017. And today I get to chat with Diego Fernandez, Eye of Horus's guitarist and vocalist. Though the band has not released new music since 2016, they have continued to put on live shows that are still highly sought after by new and old fans alike. Just before this recording, I was graciously offered the opportunity to hear one of their new songs, which is titled Hellbound. Diego, thank you for joining me today. Good to be here. Thank you for having me. We chatted a little bit about Hellbound here. So you sent me the track and it's still in pre-production. First off, thank you because I've never really listened to a song in, in that stage before, but it sounds like it's almost ready to go. Yeah, yeah. We were just quickly chatting that like that should be the goal in uh, in production is that at every step of the way, it should already sound good or at least as good as possible. And before this like song was at this stage there was the the pre-production phase which is where like it was all demoed out program drums and just like quick scratch guitars and everything like that all the lyrics were pretty much set in stone and and uh yeah so the song existed before the song existed and now hopefully it'll come out all mature and ready for college right so (laughs) sometime in the future would you be willing to send me some tracks that are in pre-production like I just don't know what it sounds like. And I think it's really cool. Of course. Are they isolated tracks? Like if you have one instrument, is it that track specifically? And then you have to listen to like three or four other ones, depending on the number of instruments. Yeah. So uh, it really depends, but yeah. So when I am like demoing out something, I'm just laying out like the guitar, the bass, programming the drums and then I'll uh, record all the vocals myself. We, we have a vocalist who handles like, anywhere from 70 to 80 percent of of the vocals but in the actual like writing phase like and this is almost like pre-writing writing because what we're trying to do is just i'm just trying to throw song ideas out and i try to crank as many out and then we kind of like together we're like oh this one has got potential we should work on this or like oh like i like this part of this one but like the rest of the guys aren't jiving with that so we'll cut that and blah 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 uh, and then from there, we kind of solidify everything. And then we start, you know, the actual recording, writing, jamming it out, all that, which is pretty typical. Uh, like I'd say that's how most people do it. But this time was actually a little bit different. And uh, we so we had actually written an entire album and uh, COVID hit and then we kind of slowed down and then it, it was like, a, okay, well, I guess it's time to record it finally. Um, but somewhere in that process, like we had already been playing a lot of those songs live uh, for a few years. And somewhere along the way, like I just kind of felt uh, that the songs weren't us. Like I was trying to push the band to be something else, uh, which is, which happens, right? Like you get kind of tired a little bit of like what you think your band is so you want to you know add clean singing or you know we're doing prog now with like orchestra now right um and somewhere along the way i just felt that we had kind of lost uh well uh me really because i was the one kind of pushing us this way so i uh pulled the nathan explosion and i just deleted the whole album (laughs) like all all the songs that's um and then yeah and then we started from scratch that same process i described 
And it was relatively quickly. It was around uh, the middle of 2021 to the end of 2022. Like the album was done and we started recording it at, at the beginning of this year. And uh, rough release date we're looking for is like end of September. Nice. So, uh, yeah, I guess it, this, this run was a little weirder than most, but um, I think it was for the better. Like the songs, we're way more proud of the songs. We're more excited to play them. We're, uh, we feel more passionate about them. And uh, we actually debuted five of the new songs at our last show, which is insane. <laughs> like it was like probably not the right thing to do because we were terrified, but it also like felt so amazing to have that fear again um, because we've been playing since July of 2011, right? the core of us. So like, it's not to say that we're not nervous before shows, but we're kind of a little bit like, all right, let's just head up there. You know, we play. Whereas this time we were, we were nervous, man, in a good way, like nervous energy that we wanted to perform well and all that stuff. So yeah. So it's, uh, it's been a wild journey. <laughs> I heard the show was awesome. So it must've went off without a hitch. It did. It, it was our first show in Edmonton in four years. Right. Which is, uh, from being like, like as without the stigma on the word for being a local band, right? Like we've, we've toured uh, Canada like three times and played shows and all that. So it's like, we, we've, we've lived that life as well, but ha having the ability to just play a home show after four years and like all your friends come out and all the old people you haven't seen and forever come out. And then you also get to, reward their support by uh or, or their faith really by like showing like we got five songs guys like it's happening i promise right so like that energy was also really cool of, of everyone being like holy holy shit they did it they're actually playing new stuff oh my god i can't believe it right so yeah that was really cool i'm guessing it's safe to say that you'll be playing some of your new stuff at loud as hell yes and what we're gonna try to do is we're gonna try to play the other so the album has eight songs, right? So we we debuted five at the last show, and then we're going to try to play the three that we haven't at Loud as Hell. We'll see how that goes. But at the very least, we'll try to play five you know, new songs as well and the other three that we haven't debuted yet as a kind of a... We always try to do something special for Loud as Hell. Like um, we've, we've headlined it a couple times. And uh, there was one year where we did like four or five covers where we had like, like we, we asked the audience, you know, like a month before, like, what do you want to hear and whatever, like just any kind of thing to make it a little bit more special. We, uh, we always try to do that for the festival because they're awesome. That's really cool. And as I touched on in the introduction, you guys have been basically going there since 2017. So I think it was the first time in 2017 followed up with 2018, 2021, and now 2023. Have you been to the festival any other times just as audience members? Yeah. 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 We've been, uh, well, I went once in 2014 and I, and I had a blast. Um, and then, uh, usually we're like playing shows, you know, like in the summers and stuff. So, uh, it's also in like August long, long weekend. So we weren't able to kind of, make it work for the other years. But then in 2017, they had their, their Friday night headliner dropped out. Um, and they just asked us, uh, to perform, which was insanity because like, 
I don't remember how long we had, but it wasn't long. It was like maybe three to two weeks. It, 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 it was something like, whoa, like we have to make this work. Um, and we did. And it was incredible. And, and we had an awesome time. And then we we formed like a really strong relationship with uh, with the folks who run it there. Um, uh, and yeah, they, they had us back the next year. And then, uh, yeah. And then in 2021, it was our first show back from the pandemic was a lot as hell, which was, it felt very like, like, I mean, if we're going to play a show in the pandemic, it's going to be an outdoor festival. Like let's, let's be real here. <laughs> and, and it was awesome. We had such a good time. Everybody was such in a good mood. That year was really special for live music because, you know, there hadn't been any for almost two years at that point. So uh, everyone was excited for every band, like pretty much at all times of the day, you know, it was packed. So, and yeah, and, and then, oh, sorry. So, no, and then I was just going to quickly say, and then this year we're doing the pre-party, which we're actually really excited for because it is kind of like a smaller event. You know what I mean? But what I love about Light of Hell is that they want everything to be big, right? Like they want every aspect of it to be as much fun as possible for all the people to give the people as much value. Right. Uh, which is very commendable. So when they reached out, they're like, Hey, like not sheepishly, but they're like, Hey, like, you know, you know, you've headlined and like, you know, you played the thing, but we're wondering like, would you consider? And we're like, dude, yes, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Like, like, uh, you guys have been so awesome to us. And honestly, like we wanted to be a thing where like, we want it to be a thing where people like want to go to the pre-party because like every year they're getting crazier and, and crazier just to give them as much, you know, fans at, at the, at the festival at all times. So I think that's really cool too, because it's like the pre-party is, is at a small venue. It's at neighbor's pub for anyone who yeah. doesn't know about loud as hell and, and the pubs in Drumheller. So the stage isn't very big and there's not a lot of room, but man, that place gets packed. Yeah. Yeah, we well, I played the pre-party. Uh, I filled in for a Winnipeg band called Cell. I uh, filled in uh, bass, and they played the pre-party. They headlined it, so uh, so I'm aware of like the thing, and that's why like I'm excited because it'll be nutty. It'll be absolute chaos, which is like what what we want to see. So I heard a couple of things that actually lead me to my next question, but you were talking about just the, the overall atmosphere and then the team that runs loud as hell. So for you, what are some things that keep you coming back for now 10 years? Right. Well, yeah, yeah. The, the whole like Western festival alliance thing, like they have like a name for themselves, but it's like, it's, it's a few festivals. There's, there's the one in Armstrong, which is actually in a couple of weeks, which I'm heading to because it's awesome. And I encourage anyone listening. If you if you're free, you should go because it's awesome. Uh, oh, hold on, I, I heard a notification. Let me just close that. Um, yeah, that uh, I like going to all of them. They're all very uh, like uh, warm uh, spaces. Like it's it's a lot of like similar people who go, and it's similar acts uh, that that play as well. So it's like if your friends with anyone in the scene chances are like one of the 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 guys who's in like 10 bands is playing one of the festivals and then you know so then oh so that guy's there and this guy's here and and like quite a lot of people kind of go to all of them because it is a lot of fun so it just becomes like 
more of an event like every year, right? It's like a reunion with people that you haven't seen. There's a lot of, uh, of our BC friends that we see every time that I go to Armstrong and like there's Calgary friends that I see at Loud as Hell. And it's just it, like, it has that vibe where like, yes, it's the music is great. The, the sound is great, but a lot of it is kind of like the people that you get to connect with and, and share with um, as well. So that's the main thing I'd, I'd say. With a lot of people that I've talked with, it seems like that seems to be the overall sentiment. It's the overall atmosphere, the friendliness of everybody there. And it, like you said, it seems like a family reunion every year. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that being said, like the music, they try to just get cool acts. They go a long way to giving like, you know, the regional bands, a regional band from Edmonton, a regional band from Winnipeg, from Red Deer, like they will give these bands the opportunity to like play for a lot of people as well as play with, you know, those are the kind of people, like if you're in a band, you should absolutely, you know, submit to play any of these festivals. Right. And it doesn't matter if, you know, they're not the same size as Vakin or something like that. Like it's, it's not about that. It's the fact that like you, you get to network, right. And in music, your network is everything. So it's like, if you want to be, if you're a band from, Regina or Saskatoon and you feel like you want to play BC and whatever it's like you might think it might not be in your best interest to play a festival in Drumheller but if you play the festival in Drumheller you might play with five or even ten bands that are from BC and if you play your cards right and you're a good hang and you have a good time with them well guess who they're gonna ask to like play the Regina Manitoba saskatoon like arc of their tour or like hey like we want to go to bc can we play with you guys can we stay with you guys right so like that aspect is also a very important part for bands to to see the bigger picture that like it's a place to network and it's just a place which means like you know have fun and but also you know you get to talk shop with people like if you're an engineer if you're a recording engineer right it's like how do you a lot of like starting out engineers will send me a message because I've been fortunate enough to, to have a lot of work and it's my full-time job. And I'll, I will tell them, be like, start a band, join a band, get good and start playing festivals and you'll meet all these people. And then if you're cool, you know, there's your in, right? So it's like, it's, it's that kind of stuff. It's a good opportunity for for bands that are lesser known to play with bigger bands, and like you said, they they see how yep. they play, they see their personality, and it's like, for a bigger band, they could be like, "This is who I want to accompany me." Yeah, and especially now, like I know last year, which was my first loudest hell, it was basically all Canadian bands except for, I think it was Lost Nebula that filled in kind of last minute. Right. However, this year it's got more from like international acts, and I think that's even more important because then you have these local bands right. who are networking with people from across yeah. the pond, and then they might actually be invited overseas and yeah. vice versa, right? Exactly. It's like it's never a it's never a disservice to like meet new people, uh, and uh, you know, as long as they're cool and, and you're cool, that's always a good thing. So, and this year, who are some of the bands that you're looking forward to seeing play live? Uh, well, I can't get my, uh, my festivals mixed up here because I am just going to see Armstrong and I need to, uh, remind myself of the, of the listing for out of hell. <laughs> if I like, honestly, if I'm being honest, like, I'm excited for my friends, <laughs> like 
the 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 people who are in bands that I know that I get to reconnect with. Um yeah, let me take a look here. I do know that Armstrong also has a stacked festival this year. Yeah, yeah. So f- for example, uh uh actually we've played with so yeah, for example, we've played with Narcotic Wasteline before. Uh a, a long time ago, so like I you know, I doubt they'll remember us, but at the very least we can reconnect with them and just cuz I really like uh that bands um my friend uh lane he plays in insight mm-hmm. so i'm excited to hang out with them we're really good friends with arrival of autumn and uh yeah old friends was uh silent line they were like one of our first like the f- they were kind of like one of the bands when we were starting out so like it, it it's our relationship goes back a long way um so yeah i'm, I'm excited to hang out with them uh i I have a special place in my heart for uh fall of earth. Uh, I've like, I've been kind of like their producer since they got started. I've produced everything that they've put out essentially. And uh, now they're really starting to get some steam behind them. Like they're, they just finished like a cross Canada tour, like a very long and ambitious cross Canada tour. And uh, so I'm very proud of them and I'm excited for them to play. Um, yeah and just like more more of that you know it's like i don't want to name everybody because then who i don't name i don't name but then you know i don't want to name everybody but but it's it's that i i'm grateful that i know a lot of people because i've been playing in bands for a while and i and yeah i'm just excited to hang out with the homies so when you're looking at certain bands that are playing it sometimes it's not about who the best band is that plays sometimes it's like you kind of mentioned it's about memories and having the relationships with certain people. So like last year, some of the bands that I was really looking forward to were bands that I had never heard of or bands that I heard good things about for other reasons. Obviously I had my personal favorites, but I'm, I'm also excited for other reasons than just the music, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing too. That's the great thing of about festivals is that you can be pleasantly surprised, right? Like, or like you can see a band you saw, you know, five years ago at a, at a pub and like, it's not that they were bad or anything like that, but like, whatever, you know, it's like, you didn't think of them. And then you see them and you're like, Oh, I remember that band. And then you see them live now. And they're like, Whoa, what the hell happened? And, and it's like, that happens a lot, right? Because everyone's got their own little lives and everyone improves. And then everyone kind of gets to display what they're working on how they've worked on it, how they've improved. And like, yeah, it's, it's cool. And it's a lot less pressure right like the festival aspect allows for everybody like it's you load in all like in the early morning and then your stuff is there and you just get the weight and blah 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 as opposed to a show where you know one guy's arriving late from work and the other guy's you know up and then oh my god oh right like it's more of a high pressure thing and you might not have the time to kind of like really just focus on your set and focus on on your craft and a festival like that gives you all the time and all the tools that you need to maximize your, um, your stage presence and your sound and all that. So you talked about how sometimes you'll see a band in a pub and you won't really remember. And then later on, you'll see them blow up. And that happened, that exact right. same thing happened to me with Arch Spire. So obviously yeah. you're familiar with Dickens pub in Calgary. Yeah. I saw them recently with uh Volvodinia, Arch Spire, Inferi and Entheos. And 
so when I saw them, obviously I was a fan of their music and stuff, but I was so excited for the show and they were incredible. When I went through yeah. my list of concerts or bands that I had seen previously, I found Archspire from like years ago and I could not remember yeah. for the life of me what that performance was like. So either I missed yeah. some of the set or maybe I just wasn't as into it, but fuck man, just seeing how they've progressed and yeah. how it embedded in, it, itself in my memory this time around. I'm like, these yep. guys are nuts. Yeah, that that happened to me with Rivers of 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 Nile as well. Like I saw them a very long time ago. I thought they were great, but like it's just like another heavy band. And then I saw them on the tour of um, Where Owls Know My Name, and it was just like a quasi religious experience where I'm like, dude, what? This is like some of the best music I've like ever heard in my life. Like, what the hell? But 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 yeah, that's the best part about music is that it's like the next album could be the you right like your favorite album of all time right and it just never stops so we're lucky to live in uh in the world like that and and with more access to it every day right so you also kind of mentioned like the um the time in between how the first and maybe the next time you see a band and how they change from like the observer's perspective i guess you've appeared to be dormant for quite some time and you explained a little bit of that about basically deleting and throwing out an album that you were almost done working on right a covid of course canceled basically all live music and obviously right. made it more difficult to get together last release was in 2016 and you haven't posted much on your social media up until yeah. recently how has your music evolved over time since your last release and what are some of the musical elements that you wanted to focus on right yeah um i would say that we really did the good old-fashioned like we we want the people who were who were fans of like our full length um which was kind of our favorite time of the band like that 2014 to like 2016 was when we were obviously we were all younger so we had disposable income and disposable time at our hands so we were all in it like we practiced two to three times a week and just you know played shows and drove five hours to play one show and five hours back the same night, like that kind of stuff. Right. And uh, so that was like kind of our fondest memories. Right. And uh, like I said, we got kind of rid of the stuff we were progging to pr progressing to. And instead it was just kind of like, let's play that music, but just better, <laughs> which is like, okay, how do you do that? Well, you start by asking, like, if I was to write a sequel to this song, what would it sound like? Or like, what would happen if like this song went like if, if, if it didn't end here and there was another three minutes of music, like what, what would that sound like? And, and just that kind of stuff. So we started writing songs that like could be, if we'd release an album the year after they would be almost like, like, like a double album almost, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, they're different, but they're in the same family of music. And, and a lot of that was, because we wanted it, everything to be catchy and we wanted everything to be like, not just catchy in like a pop way, but like m memorable live, which is the most fun aspect of being in a band is like playing the music live. Like I love recording and it's great, but once it's out, it's out. And then that's it. Right. It's like eating a meal once you're like, I'd like to have it again. Right. So it's like live is, is that aspect and then writing music that just hits really well live. That is what we wanted to go towards. Um, and some of the new songs that we were writing were kind of hit and miss live. 
but we would we would kind of like say well you know maybe we didn't play it to our best or maybe the the crowd was a little tired or whatever but the reality was was in our face it was just like well no that song is just not really designed for like live in the way that all the other songs that we played before that were from our prior releases were so that's why we were confident in debuting five new songs live pretty much everybody uh who we trust was like yeah like that sounded insane and it's like in a way we're like yeah i hope so because it was designed to right like we we really hoped that every aspect of it was like memorable that there was memorable melodies memorable rhythmic patterns uh that's catchy that stays in your mind like after you leave the show right like that's what that was our goal uh and with that comes like you know sacrificing a little bit of your ego where it's like well yeah maybe i do want to do like a crazy little solo thing here or like this section that goes on for a minute because it's so vibey dude but then if you cut that away you're left with a stronger more memorable song and we just this time around that was what we erred on every time was just like if we're not if if a part wasn't working let's just say let's get rid of it and instead we'll just hit something that's catchier do you have that answer oh yeah no that's a great answer do you guys have a preferred method for capturing the raw energy and power of a live metal performance in a studio recording you want me to (laughs) that's the secret bro you want me to give away a secret no it's it's there there is no secret it's just uh you yeah you have to my role as a producer so like when the other guys are in here i really do like i'm not diego rhythm guitarist uh solo guy back in vocals like i'm like here to develop their their performance into what is going to be eventually the final product right so i'm always pushing everybody <laughs> to do it and like i'm we're not afraid to like if we have to do one like a very long one minute take of a drum performance because it's very intricate and if we chop it up it's not gonna have the energy then we're gonna do that and i'm gonna push him but at the same time if we have to punch in a riff almost line by line by line because the riff is so weird and we can't get it to sound right unless we do it that way i'm gonna do it that way uh which i think online like as more and more people start to record themselves i think a lot of people realize that like people were doing that the whole time (laughs) like like there's a lot of awesome youtube channels that focus on like the history of recording and stuff and and of course they want to talk about you know how a certain song that is you know the best led zeppelin song in the world john bonham one taked it while he was high on heroin and and then afterwards he like fell down and then the falling down is what they sampled right like that's so cool that's awesome right yeah but a lot of bands were just punching and stuff like from the 80s onwards like they no, I want to get this thing and I want to punch it and blah, blah, blah. So I'm not queasy about that at all. Like we just want good sounding music and uh, good sounding like songs. And sometimes you, like, yeah, you have to do whatever it is that you have to do. So so are you going to be mastering this album as well? Uh, I'm going to be definitely mixing it. I'm not sure about mastering. I Mastering is kind of like... like um, it's it's a lot less mystical than I think people think, uh, but at the same time, uh, it's a lot more important in a way. Like it really is just like, it's like imagine that you had one chance, like you just made a sandwich and you have to feed it to the president, and you had one chance to taste it, 
before you did it. And if he didn't like it, he was going to send you to the gulag. <laughs> Mastering is like the mouth of your most trusted friend in the universe who's going to take a bite of the sandwich and be like, yeah, dude, you're good. Or be like, too much mustard, dude. Right. So like, <laughs> that's it. It's just like, we can add a little bit more high end. We can add a little bit more low end. I think it can be louder. I think, I think you did drums too loud. And then it's just kind of like feedback. It's like the last step of feedback. And it's the last step where you can kind of do gradual things to the entire mix. Right. Um, so like I said, it's not like, that's it. It's not that mystical, but it's very important. Right. So I might outsource that to, uh, some, like there's a few engineers who I trust. Uh, Christian Donaldson mastered our, our last EP and he's incredible, but he's also very busy. So depending on our release window, uh, we might go that route. Um, and there's a few others, but it's a maybe. <laughs> I did notice that you uh, hooked up with Christian Donaldson for your last EP there. And I was actually wondering yeah. if that was maybe the direction you're going, but you've already answered that. Another question. Yeah, yeah, I'm it's, oh, yeah, 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 no, no, please go. I was just going to move on to your artwork, but if you had something to say about the audio, I'm happy to hear it. Uh, well, you mentioned something. Well, yeah, no, I, I just wanted to shout out Christian. He's awesome. He's, um, I mean, I've never really been like interviewed about audio work at all, but like, he's the reason why I do it because I actually recorded. Um, so I recorded vocals for the eye of Horus full length. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we had, a good friend of ours, Tyler Dory. He, he was the one who like recorded us playing guitar for that. And we recorded drums at another studio here in Edmonton by an engineer called Terry Tran. And then we sent all of that, all those files to Christian to mix it. And then we got Jens Bogren to master it. Remember what I said about disposable income, right? That yeah. was way back then. So we could spend many, many, uh, moolahs on, on the process back then. Right. Um, but then like, as, as I kind of progressed, I wanted to just be involved more. It's, it's not because we were disappointed because it sounds awesome, but it's just like, I just wanted to try it. Right. So then for the EP, I recorded it all and I mixed it, but then I had Christian, um, master it. And during the, um, when he mixed it, he, he complimented the vocal recording. He said like, this is like, you did a really good job. You, you like recorded it how I would do it. And it's like edited really well, which I was like so worried, right? Because it's my first time I was ever sending it. So that gave me some confidence. And then when I mixed it, obviously I was like, hey, man, I know that this isn't up to your standard, but like we like I just wanted to try. Right. And and he was like, yeah, like, I think you did a fair job. You know, it's like obviously there's improvements, but like keep working on it, man. And uh, yeah, if it weren't for that, like this is my full time job now. So I just. I have to shout him out. And, uh, and a, a few times, you know, I've like sent some messages and, and he's just always so gracious and, uh, and he's awesome. So shout out Christian. And that's gotta be a huge compliment coming from someone like Christian, who's also it has. had an incredible backlog of mixing and mastering for a multitude of bands, but also somebody who you've worked with in the past and because it was your first time doing it. Yeah. He's, he's like the man, he's like one of the man I'd say in Canada, he's probably like the guy if you're an extreme metal band, chances are that your eyes are set to work with Christian, you know, pending his schedule, which, you know, he'll say like, he'll, he'll make time for you as like work for him. You know what I'm saying? Just like, 
let them know. So if you're scared, go ahead and send them an email. You you might be surprised. Well, you know so. what? I had Christian on the podcast a, a few months ago now, and when I sent him the message, I had no, I felt I had no hope in hell of having him on because of how right. popular he is and how busy, of course. And then when he said, right. yeah, I was like, holy shit, this is really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Actually, really quick side note. Yeah. Um, during COVID, I wanted to do like a live mix just for fun. So like I, I streamed it on Facebook and I actually remixed one of the songs from our full length, um, which, which he mixed. Right. Uh, but it was just for fun. Right. Like I was just like, Hey, you know, this is what I would do, blah, 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 blah. And then like, I have my eye on the chat. And then when I look over one time, I see Christian, he's like, what's up, man. And I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> bro. I'm not mad at you. I'm just doing this for fun. He's like, bro, have fun, man. It's all good. <laughs> but like for a second, my heart dropped. I was like, it's okay that I'm doing this, right? But then I was like, wait a minute, it's my band. Why am I scared? <laughs> but yeah, he's awesome. So sorry for anyway, fucking I, with my own shit, hey? Yeah, yeah it's exactly. <laughs> anyway, what was your other uh, question there? So about your artwork. So you worked with, and I'm going to butcher this probably, but Federico Musetti for the album uh, album covers for both your 2015 and 2016 releases. So have you given any thought to working with him again? Uh, yes, actually, and we have news on that front. So. We reached out to Federico, um, and uh, he is uh, uh, painfully successful. He's been working with like, kind of like a Magic the Gathering uh, type thing where it's like they have like card games. And yeah. I think, I'm not sure if it's just cards or if it's also like a universe for role-playing. Uh, so like you could play it as like, like with like Dungeons and Dragons style role-playing. It's, it's some kind of like fantasy, company like that and and he does all their artwork and it's incredible like he's been doing just incredible work um so we did reach out to him but you know unfortunately he was uh too too busy uh with that so we weren't able to make it work with him this time however uh we were able to work with uh a fellow by the name of G G giannis mm -hmm. uh he goes by remedy art design is right. that Giannis um, Nakos? I think his name is. Nax, yes, yeah. that's right. Yes, yeah, he has incredible. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. Another the man. He is like, he got to us quickly and was like, you know, what's the time frame? Like, what do you like? Just let me hand me all the info and then I'll like let you know, right? Which I love. That's how I am. Like with an with an artist. Sidebar. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm like notorious for being distracted. But <laughs> if, if if you're sending material to like an audio engineer or to an artist or whatever, it's like just give them all the information, all of the files, everything that they might need, even if they'll say no, because if they say yes, they'll love you. They'll be like, thank you for sending me everything. Yeah, no, this fits right in. Here's blah, blah, blah. Instead of like, hey, can I ask you a question? And then wait. And then be like, are you free for the recording? And, and then right, like just make it quick and we'll love you for it. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, he was awesome. He uh, got back to us very quickly. And what I loved about working with him was that he said uh, something that I really treasure in an artist, which is he, he was like, I want to I want you guys to let me know like your idea. But at the same time, I ask that you don't you're not too specific and that if we're going to work together, like you have to let me do my thing. And I was like, oh, my, like this, this is the one. Right. Because that is that is something that is crucial uh, is that if you're an artist and you're a creative person and specifically like an art artist right like your mind visualizes things and the more that you have the outside information 
the you know the more mired by outside things that that initial gut instinct of what an art should look like is kind of mired right so we gave them like a rough idea and we just gave them like the vibe of what we wanted mm -hmm. and with that like i think it was less than a week later he sent us the artwork and it is it is so insane like we can't wait to to show everyone it's 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 so cool um which which will be soon i i wish we could have got things in a row a little sooner so that we could have like debuted more stuff on the podcast but um well yeah we'll be sharing all that very soon and uh we're very happy with how it turned out he's a monster i'm looking forward to seeing that but before we continue on artwork and stuff i was actually looking at frederico here i didn't realize that he so i'm also a huge fantasy fan and one of my favorite authors right now is brendan sanderson i just finished yeah. rereading his entire cosmere this year for the second time but that's a weird flex anyways um <laughs> so Bro, you can read. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> they have lots of pictures, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so apparently he did some of the artwork for some of the German Stormlight Archive books and the Italian releases of the Skyward series. Yeah. Yeah, he is like, he's just one of those people who, when we got back our first art, we were like, I don't know how this happened. Like, we sent a guy an email and then we got this back. And then when he sent us the obsidian one which is our uh the release that we did in 2016 mm -hmm. that artwork i think that that artwork did more heavy lifting than the music did in terms of of like getting people to check it out and getting people to like be stoked on it at all like that artwork it 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 set us on the path i think like unironically because it's incredible art and it's so striking and it's so detailed and colorful and and stuff so yeah he's He's uh, he, we could tell he was destined for great things and we, we wanted to make it work. Right. And to his credit, he said, I might be able to, but it's like, maybe, maybe, maybe. So we just decided it's like, we don't want to make your, your life harder. Yeah. Like at all. Like he didn't like big time us at all. Like he was like, I'll, I can try to make it work, but, and we're just like, listen, man, like you're all good. Just go do, do your thing. We just wanted to ask because we couldn't live with ourselves if like we didn't even ask. Right. It's really cool so, that he still was willing to do it even with his current level of success. And yeah, the fact that he wanted to put in that effort, even though he is extremely busy, speaks volumes. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. It speaks to who he is. Like, like we know that he like uh, values like a working relationship, you know, like we've been working with him since like the end of 2014. So like we know that that he felt a certain sense of like, ah, guys like, uh, but it's, you know, it's the way she goes. We're super stoked on on uh, on his success and it worked out anyway right because then like everything it's like we like to collaborate with like the same people there's a, f a fella who's uh doing our um the layout for our artwork his name is eric uh dietrich um and he's a very talented graphical designer and uh yeah we've been working with him for a long time he's handled a lot of my projects so it's like i like the comfort of working with somebody that like you know that no matter what, like they're gonna knock it out of the park. But at the same time, it's always cool to, right? Like we had to go out there and then we found Giannis who was awesome. We, so yeah, that's hopefully another working partner that, that, that we can work with again, so. Totally. Do you happen to know if that trading card game that you were talking about, is that called Flesh and Blood? Uh, 
I, I, I'm not too aware. I, I, I see something like, I remember seeing something about flesh and blood when we were looking them up, but I'm not sure if that's, like I said, like I wasn't too sure if it was a card game or if it was like a role-playing thing, or mm -hmm. if it's like a universe thing, like, I'm not sure, but it's some kind of fantasy thing. Why do you ask? Uh, I'm just looking up his art station profile here and it, he's advertising a lot of flesh and blood stuff. So I'm wondering if that's okay. the trading card game. There's a lot of like, I mean, this is not surprising, but there's a lot of really good stuff on there. Yeah. Yeah. No, if, if you go through his Instagram, like every art is just like, ah, oh, it's incredible. So, yeah. So in all of your previous releases, one of the main focal points has been a tower. So though the look has changed on all three covers from the tower itself to the <laughs> landscape surrounding it, are they all supposed to be the same tower? And what is the reason behind the consistency in imagery? <laughs> um the tower thing just it's it's so funny because uh the the first ep we had so my first ep i'm not even sure if it's on spotify it's called suffer eternity and uh it, it was our first thing ever we released it in 2012 uh and we had art done by um a friend of ours i'm blanking on the name his last name is cruto <laughs> i'm so sorry uh i'm so sorry but i'm i Dave, Dave, Dave Cruteau. There we go. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, and we, we had no idea. Like we just had no idea. And it just, we were like some kind of apocalypse thing. I don't know. And then I think it, it may have even been his idea. I'd be like, okay, so like maybe like a tower or no, I, I, I'd written a, a song uh, called, um, oh my God, my age. I'm so sorry. This was 10 years ago. Anyway, the song was about a tower in the ocean. So then there we go. And then the next thing, uh, we asked Federico and then he just kind of made like this like tower looking thing for Infernal Calling because like we were saying like we it, Infernal Calling was like about like you know hell almost like calling out to your darker natures right and then so he just visualized that as like this kind of evil looking thing and then for the third one we're like I mean right like we've done two towers like we might as well do a third tower right but then it was like it's like, if we're going to do a tower, like we should go all the way. And what's the best tower of all time? It's like the tower from the Lord of the Rings, right? So we're just like, hey, it can't be, uh, or thank, right? But like, it can be a little bit, right? So, and, and it and it can't be the tower of, of Baradur, but like, it could be a little bit, right? So it's it's just that. It's just like our, our playful way. We don't, we're like a playful band. We don't really go too far into it like we have fun and it's a lot of tongue-in-cheek and uh so yeah it, it was that simple however i am sad to say the breaking news is that there there is no tower in the <laughs> upcoming album so we have broken that the trilogy is complete we are not pulling a modern hollywood we are not saying that the sequel that ended <laughs> has the new tower no those towers are done um so yeah we're on to a new geometric shape <laughs> for this album <laughs> this time try so it. yeah 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 well close <laughs> <laughs> is there going to be a, uh, a tower anywhere else in the artwork like through the booklet or the back oh that's a good question you're right it's not too late to sneak it in um little tower Easter egg. Um, i guess depending on your definition of a tower there there <laughs> might be one we'll see <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah no uh was there a second part to that question or was it just about the towers? I, I forgot. I'm sorry. 
there wasn't but even if there okay. was, oh sorry there was what, what was the reason which i think you which i think you explained very well so if there was anything right okay question, i don't need to hear it because that was a great answer fair enough okay we're good <laughs> you guys recently re released a new t-shirt t-shirt design but unfortunately there was a bit of a mix-up i'm not re really sure what happened because it was a long time ago and everything was kind of put to rest pretty quick right um yeah the, from what i do remember though the design was put out independent undip sorry jesus christ independently okay. and unbeknownst to you there was already a piece of art out there which was very similar which ended in the artist claiming copyright concerns is that correct no 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 so it's actually way way more dumb than that like we <laughs> we had so uh we had just had a fun idea like the oilers for anybody who doesn't know is edmonton's hockey team right they were in the Stanley Cup playoffs at the time. And one of us was like, dudes, we should make a t-shirt that, you know, says I Horace, but it looks like the Oilers logo because it's like, that is a genius idea. That's why like almost every Canadian band does it. But, and, and, and it was just that it was just like, let's just do it. It'll be fun. It's so many of our friends would just wear it to just wear it because it's like, we're very lucky to have friends who are very supportive of our, of our craft. Um, but at the same time, you know, they're fans of the Oilers and like, I wanted to wear it. Right. So it's like, dude, that's a sick idea. Let's make it. Um, and then when we announced it, uh, we had like, it wasn't just one guy. Like the, I know that everybody kind of, it seems like there was like one guy who was like, whatever. It, it was actually a few people who were some of us, some of them were like in our families and stuff who were just worried they, that they felt they were like, I'm not sure if this is a good idea. You know, it feels like it's like, it feels wrong in a way. Like it feels like you're just taking something and whatever and and uh that being said there also were a couple of people like one f one fella who no names or anything like that but like he literally like on the shirt he commented that like he you know he submitted us to the better business bureau which is like okay we're not like a plumber so it's like i'd be worried if we were like a plumber or something like that but like we're just like dudes in like as a death metal band, but okay. But like, it's that, like that sentiment, it was just, it felt so weird to us. And we've never experienced that because, you know, our, like, we've just, we go have fun at shows and then we head home. Right. Like, that's just our thing. Like we've never had any kind of controversy or anything like that. Um, so we were all kind of weirded out a little bit and we decided that I'd, I'd say rashly, we decided that what we should do instead is just kind of take the post down just to not make anyone upset. And then if anyone wants a shirt, we, we, we'd have it at shows or like, just like messages, which if anyone does want the shirt, send us a message on Facebook, we'll hook you up. But we, we have since talked with like a friend of mine who's actually like a lawyer, almost specifically in this area. Like it's like creative law. And, and he was like, yeah, like you guys, you know, changed. It's true that there's intellectual property, but like, there is like a certain amount of, uh, like you are protected so to speak a certain amount as long as you meaningfully transform it so that it is some kind of like uh some kind of like parody as well as not being competing so for example if we were in another nhl team like if we were the flames and we made a calgary flame shirt that was like the oilers logo but it's that flames now we got a problem because it's like hey we're in competing intellectual markets and you know there's a chance that an oilers fan is going to buy that thinking that it's an older shirt right so it's like that's where that kind of thing happens it's like you're a band it's like they would need to be insane to kind of press any kind of legal action and then if it did get to that point 
what kind of judge is going to be like, all right, yeah, go ahead and sue this like bunch of 30 year olds for like, what, like a hundred thousand million bucks for a, a t-shirt for a fruit of loom shirt that they <laughs> sold for like 30 bucks. Like get real. Right. So, yeah. So long story short, it was kind of an overblown thing. And it, it was one of those where it's like, how do we just gone to sleep, woken up the next day with a clear mind. It would have just been like, Hey man, it's all good. But you know, we were a little weirded out and we didn't want anybody to think that, you know, that like the whole like cash grab thing and like whatever. So it's, in fact, we didn't even sell any of the shirts until after the Oilers were out of the playoffs. So what kind of a cash grab is that? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they were done though. And they were like, Hey, you guys want Oilers shirts? <laughs> I've noticed a lot of metal bands that um, they, they incorporate a lot of different pop yeah. culture into their designs. Yeah. Like, like you guys, the Edmonton Oilers, there's been, uh, a couple of my aborted shirts have Dark Souls. They have Cuphead. There's yep. everything from Dragon Ball Z to Sailor Moon. All, a lot of the Dragon animes. Ball Z one. Are you referencing? Are you referencing the abiotic uh, shirt there? Because they have like two D D Dragon Ball Z shirts that I own. One with Cell and, and one with Frieza. I, it's so sick. Actually, <laughs> I think I am. I didn't remember the name, but I remember them being really cool. And I think, yeah, um, like I've seen a lot of them over the years and I always wondered how bands right. skirt around that copyright infringement. But I guess if, like you right. said, it's made in, in jest, essentially in, in a parody form, and then it's also non-competing markets. I think that would be the most important portion of it. Yeah. And, and, and at the end of the day, it's like the court of public opinion is pretty important. And, and, and also like pick your battles, right? It's like, are you going to do that with Mario? I would suggest not because Nintendo is pretty uh, serious about protecting their copyright, no matter like all like no matter what, they'll fight to the death, right? So it's like just don't make a Mario one. <laughs> it's like which is weird because then you're like, well, if that's wrong, how come this is right? But it's like, well, you know, that's life. <laughs> I think it's like a lot of things though. If you don't have anybody complaining about it, nobody really cares unless you have right. like a different company saying, look, they're using too much of my design. I want them to change it. Then I don't think they'll make a stink about it. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, it's up to the copyright owner. Like if there was a restaurant here in town that loved Eye of Horus and they wanted to make a shirt that was the restaurant name and our logo, we'd be like, hell yeah, that's sick as hell. Right. It's up to you. Right. You're the one who decides that. So at the or not you, but like the copyright owner. Right. So totally. up to their discretion. So, yeah, it's overblown shirts. I guess there on the go. flip side, it would be also a serious thing if you were like a metal band and then calling yourselves the Edmonton Oilers. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or or or, uh, or we actually had a situation a very long time ago where there was another Eye of Horus. There was another Eye of Horus in, in Norway. Um, they were distinguished because I believe their of was capitalized or their of was, was lowercase. I don't remember like the difference. Um, but at the time we were like, oh my God, like, and it was kind of both of our first year as a band. So we were just kind of like, Hey, Hey guys, like if you guys are cool, we're cool. And they're like, yeah. And they're like, okay. <laughs> and then that's it. Right. But, but, but it's like, imagine now that there's another, you know, I have horse with our same spelling. We might be more inclined to maybe message them and be like, Hey guys, like, like this is a little weird or whatever, unless they're a completely different genre. Right. Which is like, mm. fair enough. You know, if there's like some ska punk bank alive horse, whatever. That's almost funnier because then whenever anyone's like, Hey, where's your new album? Then it will just link the Scott punk album and then <laughs> boom, done. So yeah. Moving back a little bit, you were talking about how long you've been a band for and like within the first year you encountered another eye of Horus, but 
before you were called Eye of Horus, you were called Opiate from the Masses. And that oh was around the research. <laughs> <laughs> that was around 2012. So was this just a name change or a complete rebrand, rebrand and change in musical direction? Uh, no, it was just a name change, which I wish we had thought a little harder because we would have avoided a year of what's your band called? Iron Horse, right? Like, <laughs> dude, 10 years later, we were like, fuck, which goes, dude, anyone listening who's in a band who's thinking about starting a band, this is like the best advice. Say it to like your mom, say it to like your grandma. And if you, if you cringe or if she's like, what did you mean blank? And that blank is embarrassing. <laughs> change the name just start over start over like don't get attached to anything until it passes the normie parent test like the normie work friend test and that goes for almost everything and right like you i wish we had we had but anyway it's it's the way she goes like you lean in you lean into it right a lot of guys call us the guys of horus right it's all it's all fun but yeah so uh, at that point, Cody, so when we started out, I did all the lead vocals for like a year. Um, but we got to a point where it was kind of tiring and I wanted to write more complex music, but it was tough because I couldn't quite, you know, sing and play everything. Right. So we decided to uh, ask our friend Cody to join the band and he's got an insane voice, which is only become more insane as as the years have uh gone by we're very fortunate to have him and he's now like one of the best front men i think i i've ever seen like we're so incredibly lucky to uh to have him in in the band and to and to have a front man who like cherishes his job and to and to um or, or his role i should say and 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 who like actively searches how to improve uh like if there's there's videos of us playing as opiate of the masses with Cody at his first show. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had his hands in his fucking pockets, dude. He literally pocket in be like, Oh, right. Which is like, Oh my God, what the hell? Whereas now you see him live and it's like, he'll, he'll carry the entire room, right? He'll carry the entire room. Everyone always goes up to us and be like, dude, you front man is so awesome. He's so tall. His hair is so long and his voice is so low. It's like, I know, man, we're so lucky. But um, yeah, but uh, it just goes to show, right? Like you can just work on something and you, the world is your oyster. But um, yeah, so we did that. And then a few months later, it, it was May 5th. I I remember we, or May 25th, we we debuted as, as I of Horus. And then just because we thought like Opiate of the Masses is too long. So we went with I of Horus. It's like, okay, like two syllables less. Nice. But um, yeah. So yeah, and then the rest is history. We just, we've been the same core group of fellas the whole time. We we, we have gone on some uh, cross Canada tours where we've had to ask fill-ins to like join in just because, you know, we we, we have members who have, who, who have children and, and who have gotten like, you know, recently married and stuff. So it's like, at times of of the year when we got a, a great offer to go on a tour it's like they're unavailable um and at the time like we were still like okay well like you know maybe when we come back we can do something so yeah but the band is the same core group of five guys since 2012. i do have to apologize because in the introduction i mentioned that you were the vocalist and guitarist now you cody is the vocalist do you do backing vocals then 
That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So like, um, uh, if, if you hear our music, like there is a pretty distinct voice change, like there's the lows, right? Like, like the powerful kind of growls and that's Cody. And then anything that sounds like a, like a goblin screeching, that's, that's this guy. Right. So, so I'm the one who does like the high vocals, but on this new record, I'm, I, I was pushing Cody to do even more like, um, because I want to make sure that when we're playing live, uh, because I was like, when I arranged the songs, I want to make sure that there's a good contrast in everything and in every element, be that in tempo, right? So, you know, it can song start fast and then go slow and then fast and slow or in pitch, right? So if, if, if the chorus is high pitch, then, you know, the main riff is low, but then also in, in vocal. So if, if there's a lot of Cody, then I want to make sure that the bridge is, is like me, right? To like give the listener a break. Um, but what that can lead to is that sometimes live, like there's like kind of these like awkward gaps, right. Where it's like, he's there, but he's not like, he's not going to sing for like, you know, 15 seconds. Right. So in, in the new material, I'm like, I'm more pushing him to kind of like, you know, sing this part alongside with me or like, like maybe on the recording, it'll be just me, but live, like we have to do this together so that it's like really energetic and blah, blah, blah. So he's now, I'd say now he's more of like a full-time vocalist um, than before. He's pretty much singing all the time. <laughs> so it seems like it's just a kind of a natural progression in the way you guys want to work. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just give, give, highlight what, like all the things that we want to highlight. It's like, we're lucky to have a vocalist like Cody It'd be insane to have him do less. Right. Like at the same time, it's like, we want to, take care of our voice live that's a very important thing it's like you don't want to over over sing you know add too many words and and no breaks because then you get tired and then the whole show suffers mm -hmm. but uh yeah no we wanted yeah we want them to shine more right same with like everybody there's there's more riffs like there's more part breaks where it'll just be like me and the other guitarist there's like cooler drum sections where we all kind of take a step back and we're playing simpler. And then like the drums are doing a crazier thing. There's sections that are carried by like a bass line that is really like, I'm, I'm just really trying to like push everyone to have their, their moment. And really it all works live. Like it's cool. <laughs> you mentioned a little bit earlier about how Cody used to keep his hand in his pocket. Was this partly because of nervousness or like lack of comfort maybe on stage when he was first starting out? Yeah, it was his first, like, not his first show ever. Like, he had kind of like a high school band. Um, we also had a high, like, I've Horace was a high school band. We can, I can give you, like, the quick rundown of that after in a second. But, um, yeah, Cody was, like, basically his first show ever was was with us. And it was, actually, that's not true. His first show ever was with, with Opiate of the Masses, but he filled in on bass. So he did not do vocals. I did like full vocals and he just like played the bass. Right. And then a year later was when we asked him be like, yeah, we want you to do full vocals, but it's really awkward. Cause like, if you have an instrument, even if you're just standing there awkwardly, like if you just kind of move your head a little bit, like, all right, sure. But if you're a vocalist, like literally like, what do you do with your hands? <laughs> you have one. Okay. But then like, what's this one doing? Right. So like, you know, this one was in his pockets and you know, he would like turn around Right. All right. This one is, uh, uh, this one's okay. Here we go. Right. It's like, but 
one thing that we did and I really want to tell anyone, you know, who's starting out or whatever, it's like try to get somebody to film your sets and then watch them and not just be like, dude, that was so sick. Like how I did it. Like analyze it a little bit more, be like, what could we do to improve? And obviously that was one of those things. We saw that back and we're like, my brother, <laughs> you gotta take those hands out of those pockets. Right. So, and you know, the next show that wasn't, that wasn't an issue. Yeah. And it's, it's just things like that. Like we were always very, we always wanted to be the best band. Like we, like, it's not a competition, but we wanted to, it to be like a fun competition, right? Like we want, we always wanted to be like the best band that night, no matter where we were, what genres, what bands we were playing. We just wanted to be the best. And there are going to be nights when even your best is not enough. And you feel that maybe you didn't have a, the right show, but then you just, that's what you work on next time. We we competed in those uh, Vakken competitions way back into 2014, and we made it all the way to the Alberta finals. Nice. And that was the best thing. That was the best thing we ever could have done because it made us analyze what was working with our stage show. Like, for example, I would talk over Cody sometimes because I don't know if you've noticed. I'm sure you have. I talk a lot. <laughs> I, I just talk and I keep going and I get distracted and I hear something and I talk and talk and talk. And live, like, we have a good thing now because we've kind of figured it out where it's like, I'm kind of the funny man and he's like a little straighter, but like he'll play into my jokes straight and it kills. Like we, we have a really fun time live. Right. But at the time we didn't really have that because he wanted to be like, you know, welcome everybody. Right. Like he wanted to be, you know, and then, and then I'm like, I find that cringe. So I'm just like, talking over my solos like oh so this one's like kirk hammett right like i'm not very good right because i want to distract people because i'm insecure right so <laughs> and, and, and like that was so like it was distracting right like if you're in the audience you're like what am i supposed to feel right now <laughs> right so, but then we see that back and then we we figured it out we're like okay i'm not going to talk over you here but this part is a perfect section for me to say this and then you respond with that and oh dude that'll be great and then ever since then like we've had just like a well-oiled machine live. Like it's way less, um, yeah, chaotic. I think it's inter interesting that you mentioned that you guys don't take yourself that seriously, but just speaking with you about you, your musicianship and how you progress as a band, it seems like you take yourself seriously musically, but when you're performing, you're just trying to have a blast. Right, yeah, which is, which the humor thing, like the reason why I don't want to let go of it. Uh, we, we, we tried to be a more serious band. Like we, you know, we wore black, dress shirts and like a robes, the thing to be, you know, and we tried that and then it didn't really fit because the thing with humor is that it is utterly disarming because to laugh, you need to, you know, you feel safe, right? Like when you're laughing, you're like, oh, I like this guy, right? Like, like that's the feeling that you have. So w w when there's humor on stage and something goes wrong, you can just laugh it off. Like that happened at our last show. I don't remember what, because it doesn't almost matter what went wrong, but something went wrong. I don't re remember what it was, but I, I, oh, we, we missed a part. I think like our drummer, like played like the wrong section or whatever, or like he was late and then we were off and I saw the crowd and I could see like, like the nervous energy from the crowd being like, oh shit, oh shit, they're fucking up. And I literally said, as we're playing, I'm like, don't worry. I know it's a train wreck right now, but we're about to fix it in like five <laughs> seconds. And then when the next riff came in, like we all landed and then everybody laughed and it's gone. Right. Like that, that moment is now a highlight. Right. 
which is like that is the thing with humor that you have live like i don't know if you've ever seen uh devin townsend live no i haven't had the pleasure it is he is like it's literally like seeing stand-up comedy live he's so incredibly funny but it's so not only does it make you just have this feeling of like you're like connected with him a little bit more and like you want to support him and whatever but it also makes that if anything goes wrong it's like a highlight he he points at it and laughs with you be like look at that whoops right and then you can keep going so it's not right for every band right like it'd be weird if like behemoth started laughing live right when <laughs> you know when they're all in the robes with incense right and they're like satan and then like do a joke but it's not unknown to happen right so you ha you have to kind of decide who you're going to be and just stick to that uh feel free to try things right like no maybe we will try to be a little bit more serious but then if you if you have this feeling this gut feeling of being like i don't think this is us then just yeah then stick with what works and I think that we make the right call by just having a more like, but, but like you said, like we think about it, it's like a stand up comedian. Like it looks like it's all from the cuff and he's just like making up, but he's planned every thing he's saying. It's like, we're the same. Like when we're jamming, we're like, Hey, when I, for this part, I want to walk forward. So you make sure that you're here because I don't want to hit you. And then, Cody, make sure that like you highlight this section here because then I'm going to go in the back and like, I don't want eyes on me. I want, right. So like, it's that kind of stuff. And a lot of times it goes without saying at this point, because we're right. Like we've been doing it for a while, but we had those conversations. We had those conversations where we're like, we are directing ourselves and we're building a live show because it's not like that is a skill on its own. Songwriting is a skill and playing live is an entirely separate skill that you both need to work on. You're bringing like some theater into the performance, right? You can't, it's, it's hard to just stand on stage and play your instruments. Like you need the, for me, I would, I think I would need those conversations to take place in order for me to know kind of that I'm not stepping over somebody else's toes or that I'm doing exactly what I need to be and putting, I guess, a good show on because that's what the, the audience members are there to see. Right. Right. And, and, and then it's also the case of like finding the balance, right? Because what a lot of bands do is that they'll see like, you know, X favorite band they have, they all have, uh, like they have a rack that has the in-ears and they all have their amps in the rack with the wireless and the thing and they, and they press play and it's synced with their lights and the smoke machines or whatever. So, because I saw this band do it, that's what we have to do. And it's like, that might be a thing, but what you might find is that maybe like that band has got to that point over the course of 10 to 20 to 30 years of playing live mm -hmm. and that's how they have found they work best whereas for you it might be a little bit weird like there are people who uh like if something goes wrong they are lost without their setup right so like if if you have in-ears and, and you have like a gridded blah 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 but then all of a sudden in the show like it's not working and it's like, well, now what? Be like, I don't know. I've never played in a way where that's, it hasn't worked before. So I don't know what to do. Right. Mm -hmm. So like you have to find like the balance for how it makes sense for you. And to like, so like we, for example, we don't do in-ears. We don't do like any, we don't do backing tracks. We don't do anything. We just go live and we feed off the energy of each other. And the reason for that is because that's how we've always done it. And like, playing to a click or playing to a thing will slowly but surely you are removing elements 
of the of the like of the I don't even know how to describe it. It's like the mojo of playing live, right? And but that's not to say that that is the wrong choice to make, you know, for your show. It's just the wrong choice, like for us, because we play so well. And if we can't hear anybody, we we're so well rehearsed with our set, with our just listening to everything on our own that it doesn't matter because that's how we always jam everywhere. So it's like. It's that thing. It's like it's like what I tell bands when they come in to record. It's like they'll read on YouTube or they'll see a video or they'll read something where it's like when you go to record vocals, you have to, you know, you can't smoke or you can't drink anything and you have to have honey and tea and and you need to have this pill and and you can only do it in this temperature and blah, blah, blah. And then they go to record and they can't sing and they're like, oh, my God, I don't know what's wrong. And I'm like, have you ever sung like this? They're like, no, usually when I sing, I'm stoned and I've had five beers and I sing outside in the heat and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah. So that's how you got to sing then. Cause that's how your body, that's how you've built up the muscle. That's how you've built the memory of, of what it is. And live shows are like that. You have to kind of figure it out and then do it that way. Like you can't just, you know, change things willy nilly. It takes a long time to get over some of your habits or ways of doing things like keeping your job yep. if, if things change like whether it be the policy or the software or the equipment itself like you have to adapt to all of that and it can be difficult especially if you've been doing it for so long one specific way right yeah yeah which is also like our our adapt our adapting is like the young bands essentially it's like we so we've been starting like going to shows again because shows have started happening again and then there's all these younger bands who i've never seen because obviously they didn't exist and then just seeing them and like they're doing new things and like or like playing songs in a certain way that i'm like oh that damn that's really cool i've never thought to do that because like you know we've just been in our own way for so long mm -hmm. right so and it's like that kind of thing it's like you want to make sure that when you play live like once again it's like it's not a competition but really everything in a creative space is a competition for attention. It just is. It's the sad reality, right? It's like you want, you want eyes on, on yourself because yeah, like you want to write music for you, but at the same time, it's like, I got no qualms with saying it. I want as many people to, you know, hear my stuff and like, like it as possible because that's, that's more fun. Right. It's so it's like, you want to make that sure for that want rather than the reason you're doing it. Right. Yeah. It's, 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 it's like everything. It's like one of many reasons. It's like, why do you like, cookies it's like dude i don't, like i like to eat sweet things and i like chocolate and, and my grandma used to make them right like you, you can have more than one thing right like one isn't yeah so feel free to reel me in if, if no if this I'm is ever... great i do want to touch on the humor again though today because you mentioned that it was disarming and it's not only for the audience members or somebody saying witnessing the mistake but it's also disarming yeah. if you're um starting to have that anxiety over the mistake yep. like for example, when I have been public speaking and I make a mistake, I'm like, well, that was dumb. Or I say something and point yeah. out the mistake because then I don't care yep. about it. Yeah. And chances are, yeah, if it's I just... didn't point it out, nobody would give a shit anyways, but at least that way it makes me feel better about it. Yeah. And, and, and that's the reality is that some people's minds work that way. I, I have a very anxious mind with like, you know, there's a theory going around that, you know, if you're, if you're like a creative mind, so to speak, chances are you have that kind of anxiety because of like, the kind of introspection that is required to kind of like to create can be like those wires can sometimes match and get crossed and whatever. Like, I don't know what to think about it, but the fact that so many of my friends, you know, are anxious in a certain way or like they overthink and whatever, it's like, I'm sure there's something to that, but 
but it's that it's like you just once when you point it out it's like you just not only for the people who saw it they're like okay so he knows okay it's it's fine but it's also it's like you have now pointed it out so you don't have to think in your own head oh my god did they notice that oh my god oh my god like oh dude this is so embarrassing because i practiced this all day and then about what it's like that that monologue is now gone it you have shut it down so the more that you get comfortable with that um and it doesn't have to be like with humor i'm sure there's other ways of doing it i wouldn't know them because you know humor is what i use but uh but yeah that's you have to figure out a way, right? Because mistakes happen. So how you respond to that is very crucial. Well, and we touched on earlier the way that bands like interact with the crowd and create those memories. And I think for you, like using humor to engage the crowd and kind of have a dialogue with them brings that kind of that experience level up for both sides, like whether it be you guys playing in the band or the person watching you play. Yeah. Yeah, I, I on our last tour, uh, we toured with a band called Inanimate Existence mm -hmm. and they were awesome guys we also toured with flub uh but that was for about half the length of of the tour we were also awesome uh really miss those guys but uh like because i was so obviously the worst guitarist in that entire <laughs> tour like it was so painfully obvious like that i like i wanted to have fun with it right so like i would just say on stage like again before like a solo like a highlight moment i'd be like all right so because i'm the worst guitarist what i'm thinking is that i'm gonna have you guys like and, and and like as i'm saying like what i'm saying i'm saying this over the song so i would say like so i need some like audience participation here so like who wants to hear like sweeping right and okay that'd be like, okay let's try right so then i i would just not even play what i was supposed to play <laughs> and just literally interact and, and i would just start talking distracting and it got to a point where uh cam the guitarist of uh, of an atom existence like he like caught the bug like he's like dude this is too funny to not do so then he would start talking over his solos and shit and then his band members were like dude do not talk people do not come to see us to hear you talk over the solos okay they want to see you shred or whatever but then he's got that personality where he just, he's so funny and they're all so funny and it's like oh dude it, it was such a good memory but even that like even that to be like it was awesome to see like somebody who was so good who also wasn't afraid to like take themselves too seriously and just like you know play along for a little bit just for a few shows but oh dude it, i cherish that a lot it's it's like it's like being like like the like the friend who, who your mom tells you not to hang out with you know it's like don't hang out with him he's he's he's, he's not smart like you are you know he doesn't read books like you don't hang out. it's like i was that friend for that guy they're like don't listen to diego don't fucking talk over your sweeping it's, it was a good time. <laughs> with your humorous approach and, and lighthearted approach for playing live, have you noticed any complications with like bands who don't take the same approach, like somebody who does take themselves very seriously on stage, say like a behemoth? And I don't mean for like bad uh, reasons. It's not, it's just the yeah. approaches might not meld well is kind of where I was going with it. Yeah, which is, which like in case I didn't make it clear, it's like we were kind of half in, half out with that approach, right? Mm. Which we kind of ironed it out, but I'd say for sure, like anything, it's like you have to pick a thing and go with it. And if you're going to go serious, it's like at that point, everyone's got to be 110% in the bag. Like nobody is going to sh show up to jam. Oh, how does that part go? Like no one's like, there's none of that, right? Like if you're going to be that band, 
you need to be a hundred percent like in it to win it. Right. Which is like, you know, when you see the behemoth, those guys are insane, but there's other, like, there's like younger bands. I saw a band called Phobophilic mm-hmm. um, at a, at a tour. Yeah. For the black dog murder show. Oh man. So they good. were so good. And they reminded me of that young band energy where like, they're like riffs ready. Here we go. Yeah. And they don't say shit. They're just like, this actually is called right. And then riff. And it's like, that's the other way too. It's like, you don't have to fucking joke around in between every song. Just like be quiet, have feedback, have a chug and then be like, all right, this fucking next one's called whatever. And then that's it. Right. And then also you have to ask yourself, be like, do we want to let the music speak for us? Or are we going to do the, you know, the whole, I want to see everybody fucking blah, 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 right? Like there are bands who they have front men who can handle that. And then there's bands who kind of half in the bag that they're like, we want to see a circle pit. Right. And then it's like, okay, sure. Guy like <laughs> Sergeant, right? Like it's not enough, right? It's, that's not enough. So if you're going to be that kind of person, who's going to ask things of the audience and who's going to impose their energy onto them to re- re- reciprocate it back, you need to, fucking sell it and it doesn't matter that someone in the back might think like i don't want to mash right like you can't be like i think that like if i were to say i want to see everybody moshing and then i don't see a single like one guy in the back be like i'd be like oh my god i've offended him <laughs> fuck right like so i can't do that but cody he's fucking awesome at it so he's the one who handles that right yeah and there's bands who are like they are gonna ask stuff of the audience and if there's five people that do it they say fuck yeah thank you they don't go and say come on everybody what the hell like why aren't we at? like they're just like dude for you guys like we're doing this for you fuck yeah right so that's the energy that you need to have or like and just really quick or the phobophilic where you literally you just shut up and you fucking play riff after riff after sick riff after sick riff and then like that's in my mind right like i think about them still and i'm like dude they were sick and there was basically no audience participation like none to speak of it it was like i'm you know we're stoked to be here buy a shirt and then riff and it's like dude i love that right so there's more than one ways to do it you just have to go ahead like it might be weird if that guy just all of a sudden made like a weird joke right because everyone's kind of in that energy and then he all of a sudden he just like makes a weird joke and like everyone's like what the fuck right so like you just have to pick one thing and fucking go with it anyway i'm gonna stop repeating myself (laughs) Did you end up going to the Edmonton show for Black Dolly Murder? Yeah. Oh, man. It was I, awesome. I hit the one in Calgary here, and, like, every single band was fucking incredible. Yeah. It was it, it, it was incredible. It, it was uh, – they're an incredibly important band to us, um, like, to so, to so many others. I, I, you know, not to sound like there's ownership or whatever, <laughs> but, like, like many bands, they are the reason why we do it. Like, we, we bought that DVD they released way back in the day called – majesty um uh, and then the sequel for the next album called we're we're going places and it was just a documentary about them being a band and going on tour and to us it was like it was like dude we have to do this this looks like so much fun and that was it like that that d- d- dvd so travis is the drummer and i horace ted is the uh, other guitarist and andrew is the bassist right and uh that core of us like we've known each other since since high school and in fact ted travis and i the guitarist and the drummer we've known each other since like grade nine grade 10 um 
And we were in the high school talent shows where we played Metallica songs that are on YouTube. Just That's so awesome. you know. Um, <laughs> I, I have Horus? Uh, no, we're, I think the, the, the YouTube account that has it is my old YouTube account. It's called, uh, Kai Manera with a K. So it's K A I M A N E R A. And we play the day that never comes. So if you're right, the day, the day that never comes 2007 or cover band, it's like a red video and it's us in grade 10. <laughs> uh disposable talent show yeah yeah that's oh, also us yeah sweet okay yeah yeah that's me later. yeah yeah um so this is you anyway, before uh, you had long hair this is yeah that's that's us in high school that's that's us in uh grade 11 and but anyway we, we would watch that documentary all the time and like it was the guiding light like it, it was like as long as we're doing that so we we just went to play shows like we would play a show in like cranbrook bc for like 20 people and we're like it doesn't matter where it's just like that one scene in the documentary right like so like that was what success was for us right and um it modeled like a lot of our music i'd say is heavily inspired by the the black doll murder like the aspect of high vocals and low vocals right like i basically am like emulating uh trevor's like highs right and then like it's it's just like they're 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 such a, a core integral part that uh seeing them live was like it was a very beautiful, uh, very reverent experience. And I'm very glad that I, I got to see them here at the show because it was awesome. And the set list was like, Mwah. it was oh, just like so every good. good song. It's like, there's more good songs that, it was, that you wish they play, but it's because they have so many good songs. But like the set list was just, oh, it was perfect. So that's one of the few shows where I think my head was banging the entire time. Like not one yeah. song was missed. I just, I could not get enough. And when it was over, I'm like, yeah. that only felt like 10 minutes yeah felt like yeah. i just sat down grabbed my beer and it was over yeah it's it's been a very long time since i've seen like i've seen a band where i like sing every word like it's like it's not common where that happens you know because you're like oh i like that band and then you like like one or two songs or like you like you know an ep that you know they see them live you're like okay okay yeah cool but but like a band where you love everything mm -hmm. it's like that's rare so yeah when when you're able to watch them for sure and it was even more emotional because that was their first tour since trevor passed yeah. and what i thought yeah. was really cool is each of the each of the bands had a song that like at the end of their set that was dedicated to trevor yep. that added to the atmosphere too is because it was emotionally heavy but every band killed it man yeah like, it was insane yeah. yeah yeah and it's it's a very it's a nice sentiment i think that they did the best possible choice and like having brian take over like he d d did a phenomenal job considering considering who he's replacing like mm -hmm. i could there's not much of a more down like daunting vocalist to and like to sing his parts like he he was so incredibly verbose and his style was high and low and like relentless and like it's just so the fact that he was able to pull that off is insane and uh yeah no i agree like um we, we actually have a song where uh it's about like um it, it's it's about that it's called uh beyond the mortal veil it's on the new mm. record and it's specifically not not written specifically about trevor but but he's a major aspect of of what it means because it's like well what happens when an artist passes away right it's like like isn't it strange that we can play nocturnal and we hear trevor right like 
there's some magic that happens there because even though he's gone, right? It's like, he's still around, which is, you know, it's very, it's like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But like, but like, there's like magic there. Right. It's like, it's like the, that they can sing beyond, you know, beyond the mortal veil. Like even though they're gone, their, their words can still affect us. You know, how many people don't fall in love with like, mm-hmm new like with there's going to be so many people who listen to black dolly murder that have never listened to it before and they fall in love with those records and it's the same music that i fell in love with and yet you know unfortunately the vocalist is is now dearly departed but but the effect remains the same right so it's 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 kind of about that it's like the power of like words through music and like or just really art in in general right and which yeah which was you know inspired by him so I agree with your approach on how they, I don't want to say replace Trevor because that's not the case, but how they carried the torch because right. it seems like a lot of bands have no problem just changing a member out. And that's not necessarily right. a bad thing. But again, it goes back to the one member being kind of synonymous with the band. And I think another parallel that works really well with having to replace a member was when Ronnie Dio was introduced to Black Sabbath because he right. wanted to put his own spin on it, but he wanted to honor what was before him. And I think right. um, I think Brian's doing the exact same thing and doing a bang up job of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like he's not singing exactly like Trevor. He's got his own thing, but he's like but he's performing the songs in the way that like those songs would be performed if they were karaokeing their own songs. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's like no eyes on him. That's how he would sing it. Like mm-hmm. he's not putting on a show for us. He's just like, "No, these are these are the words they're written by my friend and I'm going to sing them for you. All right. Which is, uh, which is awesome. And, and actually heaven and hell was my first live show ever. I saw oh, man. Megadeth Jesus heaven Christ. and hell and, uh, yeah, way, way back. And it was like, what the hell? <laughs> it was so sick. <laughs> I'm jealous. My first be- my yeah. first pre- um, concert I think was, it may have been my second, but this is the first one I remember. It was a Christian rock band called Audio Adrenaline, and they started talking about the Bible and a bunch of stuff in between. And I'm just like, I'm not into this, man. Like, I wasn't. Yeah. I mean, now if I look back, there are a lot of religious ideas that I do kind of identify with, like you know, taking right. the best path possible, being a good person, all that kind of shit. Right. But back then, yeah. it was it was to me Bible thumping, yeah. and you're trying to preach some yeah. shit that I'm not into. I left thinking that this was a waste of my time. Right. That's an interesting ex- experience, like considering like your path and music eventually l- leading you to like talking about it. You know, it's like it's interesting that your first experience was so fucking weird. That's 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 cool, though. It just shows that the love ran deep. Well, it was interesting. Yeah. My friend um, in junior high, I guess it was, he he knew that I was into like heavier music, so like heavier rock and he was like, well, what do you want to go see a rock concert? I'm like, that sounds great. I've never been to one before. So we went and I remember try, he tried to get me into the religion. And every time he asked, like I asked a question, he would kind of say, because of this. And yeah. I would say like, what makes your religion right? And not somebody else's. And his justification was because it is I'm like, okay, that doesn't yeah. answer the question. Oh, okay. Well, how did Jesus die for our sins? Well, he just did. You're not explaining shit, man. So you're pushing me further <laughs> away from it. I, I hear you. <laughs> Moving back to favorite music, we've already established that Black Dahlia Murder is one of your favorite bands. So who are cur- yeah. currently some of your other favorite bands or bands on heavy rotation? Uh, it's like, I'm trying to not give like the most long-winded, self-pretentious answer every time you ask me something. But it's like my relationship with music has changed slightly because I am producing it, right? So it's like uh, ever since then, it's like, 
I'll listen to something that is inspiring in terms of like, wow, I love how they crafted this mm. as an experience instead of just being like, I love that riff. <laughs> That's a sick riff. Um, that does that does still happen. So, for example, I'd say the last band to really uh, show show me like, wow, they're taking this further is a band called Obsidious. I don't know if you've heard them. No, I don't think uh, so. Uh, they're, they are really cool. They're like one of those, it's, it's so funny how little saying that they're a band with former members of Obscura narrows it down, but they're a <laughs> band with former members of Obscura Okay. and they're really good. And their vocalist is a, is a fellow by the name of, uh, well, okay. This is the first one that I'm gonna butcher because he's, uh, I believe he's Portuguese or Brazilian, which I don't actually know how to pronounce it because I want to pronounce it Spanish, but Javi Pereira, right? Uh, he's incredible. He can do like lows, he can do highs, but more importantly, he can sing and he can sing so well. He can do like the Devin Townsend, uh, like, you know, kind of like fry screams, like, yeah, like that, like, like those really high notes with, with grit. Yeah. Um, as well as just sing like beautifully, like, like, uh, like a modern day Christian Alvestum, right? Mm -hmm. um, but they're but they're playing extreme music, like unlike maybe a little bit of uh, of music that would have clean singing like that, where all the clean singing is always in like a kind of like a larger chorus. Like like Ginger is a good example. It's like they're extreme, but if there's clean singing, chances are that it's like a slower, more melodic chorus that they want to like really hook you with a melodic line. Mm -hmm. Uh, whereas Obsidious is like hooking you with, with melodic lines over fucking right. Like, and it's like, Whoa, it's like, it's just not something that you hear often. And I appreciate that a lot. Um, but genuinely, like I'm listening to stuff that like is inspiring on, a like a production and like mixing level. Um, I really like, uh, anything that Dave Otero, uh, produces. He's a producer from, uh, Denver and he's produces arc spire and, and cattle decapitation. And, uh, he produced, uh, the last shadow of intense single. And, and, uh, I just love his tones. Like it's all so big and heavy. And like, there is this like rule of thumb in mixing, which is like, do you want it fast or do you want it heavy? Right. Which is mm -hmm. to say, like, if you want to do kicks that are, then, you know, there can't be that big because then the kicks are going to, overpower everything else but if you want like nickelback kick you know doo, bah, then that can be huge because you know the riff and nickelback is so simple mm -hmm. dave otero seemingly is unaffected by the laws of physics and could just do both of those he can he can do the most extreme the fastest the most brutal shit and and make it sound so huge and it's like literally magic like i know how it's done and i still don't know how it does it it's incredible so, so it's like that i really I really like a fella by the name of of Buster Odaholm. Uh He produces, and he's in Viljarda, and uh, he's produces a, a new Swedish band called Alt, who's really good. And I just love like I love finding like producers who like who you can see how they kind of they give their sonic fingerprint to a band while still having the band sound like the best version of them, you know what I mean? Cause that's really what I want to do. Like, I want you to, if you are going to work with me, like I have my sound, but at the same time, I want you to sound like the best version of you. Like I, I don't want to just 
put you into like a filter that makes it sound like something else. Like, but at the same time, you know, there is my ear that, that will color things. So almost like an audio version of an artist signing painting. Yeah. 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 Like, or, or, or like, let's say that you give like, like, uh, like, a, a um, this happens a lot on like on Twitter, on like artist Twitter, where like someone will be like, draw, like, I don't know, a cat, uh, in like an anime style doing something. Right. And then like a hundred artists will just, it, they'll, they'll, they'll do the same thing, but it's so different. And like, that's, it's so cool. But then the, the, there will be a handful of them who you just, you just connect with. You're like, dude, I don't know what it is about that, but like, that is just like exactly how, how my mind wants to see it. So it's like, that's how I feel. Like I feel more, more engaged by like the production or like a d director, right? Like how many people don't say, Oh, I'm going to see the new Quentin Tarantino because it doesn't matter what it is. Like, I just, I want to see it because I love how he does things. Right. So it's like similar to that vibe. Like I, I have producers who I really appreciate and pretty much whatever their new shit is like, I'm going to check it out. Awesome. So sorry, but that's my no, long, that, long, again, I love, I love the answers, man. It's great. And I get a little bit of, a little bit more information that I can pull out for next time. I'm definitely going to be looking at the, those YouTube videos. <laughs> oh God. I want to say thank you again for joining me today, man. And I look forward to catching up with you at loud as hell. Yeah, it, dude, it was my pleasure. And thank you so much for bearing through all the, uh, let's call them technical issues. <laughs> uh you're an absolute champion and i'm so glad that we were able to make this work because i had a blast i appreciate that man thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time on gyro nation metal please don't forget to like share and subscribe the podcast can be found on twitter instagram and facebook if you would like to support this podcast please consider checking out my patreon thank you